With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. Welcome again. Tennis.com podcast from Paris featuring Peter Bodo and Roland Garros. I'm Ed McGrogan here uh, back in the States. Um, today, getting through day six, getting into the fourth round. Today, for me, Pete, actually felt like one of those, really one of the first really hectic slam days where a lot of things were colliding at the same time, a little more toward the afternoon where in the morning you saw all the top seeds pretty much go through without much trouble. And then by midday here, late afternoon where you are, it got pretty actually hectic for a while. What did you, uh, what did you notice most of all, I guess, out of everything? What I noticed most of all was that stupid little jet plane they have on the zip wire that goes and gives you the overhead shot. You know, the spider cam at the U.S. Open, they've got the zip line cam here that goes along. Well, they've actually attached it to a replica of an Air France jet. Now, granted, it's only about the size, it's, it's not her life size, thankfully, but it's the size of an ottoman. And the thing is a pain in the neck. It was going above the Harrison-Isner match, which is where I was for over four hours today watching that one. So I'm early part of the day. I was I was occupied there. Yeah, they they mentioned that a couple times on the broadcast here during the match. It was you know brought up late on when Harrison was serving to to just fend off Isner, try to stay stay alive there. And, and they did mention that it caught his eye. You know, he he. It certainly was something that he was thinking about. Um, you know, obviously not a good time to be doing that late in the fifth set there. Well, yeah, he didn't say it really bothered him to the point where it impacted the match, but it was kind of funny. He said, you look at it, and then you could see him. Want you you see him. I, I thought it was going to explode, but, you know, he'd look at it and kind of roll his eyes and then get back to business. So it, it was it was really not a factor, but it was just kind of funny. I don't know why they've got to stick a, a darn airplane on a thing. Well, I think money talks for this one. I can I can probably speak for anybody with that there. Um what about sort of the rest of the schedule today? Um, it's like I said, I think some of the best matches turn out to be the the ones on the farther quote unquote the farther courts. It was still a busy day with this was the last day getting caught up on the schedule, and it paid off. I think late on with two, especially two five setters. You had Monfils for one, somebody we've written about for a while. I thought it was I thought it was well put by you. A day ago, about Monfils saying that he really has developed kind of into the story of the tournament. Even though his story kind of ends here, he did it in you know as a in only a way he can, I suppose, blowing four match points, going down in five sets to a guy who you also wrote about uh, at one point, Tommy Robredo, who you followed from court 17. Now he's in the Round of sixteen. Yeah, well, you know, Mumphys has a way of getting the attention. He's he's kind of a drama drama king, I guess. Uh, 
But, you know, it's too bad he ran out of gas like that because it would have been a nice story to see him go maybe a little bit deeper, maybe even get to the semis or, or who knows. You know, anything was possible, although um, improbable when you look at how much he's played in recent days. And, and and also, I think sometimes he's very emotional about this and, he, and it really helps him. And he talked the other day about how the, how the, you know, the atmosphere in a crowd really helps him combat the fatigue he feels. But at some point, the emotions become a burden, too. And I think it uh, it may have contributed to him kind of running out of gas today. I mean, it's a pity he got so close with those four match points. He turns one of those over, and you don't know what's going to happen. Court two had a lot um, going on today. A court that from I've never been to the French court two. From my perspective on TV, almost looks like a grandstand at the U.S. Open. It has this very you know tight feel, intimate feel, and that had. Two, um, had a had a five setter with Simone beating Query in five. Query was up two sets to one there. It also earlier had Tommy Haas beating Jack Sock in straights. I mean, you you wrote a lot about Sock a couple days ago. You've seen Haas throughout the year, kind of this renaissance year, back up to number twelve. I mean, were you surprised that that match ended up in straight sets? It was close straight. It was. Far from a blowout, but Haas did not surrender one set to Sock there, a 15-year age difference. No, it's true. I mean, we keep talking about the age difference, but, you know, the fact is Haas is playing great tennis. He, he didn't really beat a 35-year-old guy. He beat the number of ten. You know, it, was, it looked more like he didn't lose. It looked more like Sock didn't lose to a 35-year-old guy. It looked like he lost to the number 10 player in the world. So, you know, there's really no shame in that. I mean, and, and you, you know, you're right. It could have been a lot closer. 7-6 first set was a tiebreaker. That could have gone either way. A little let down in the second for Sock. You know, he lost. It won just two games, but then the third again he was competitive. He was seven five, so I think it's a good result for Sock. Again, it would have been nice to see him go a little further. I could see a lot of other guys who maybe would have been a better opponent for him and made it more possible for him to move on. But you know, this is how it goes. It's luck of the draw. I'm going to end on one on your favorite type of note, a handicapping note here, and and I mention only because the uh, you know, like I said, the, the top seeds did so well today. Two of them in particular, I'm talking about Federer and Sanga. Um, both win in straights today. They're slated to, if they both win their next match, meet in the quarterfinals. And I think a lot of people are turning towards Sanga as, as you know, the draw certainly sets up well for both these two, avoiding Djokovic, Nadal, um, you know, their other top clay competitors, Ferrer, in their half of the draw. Is there any sort of way you're leaning toward after three rounds of play, Federer, Sanga, even Ferrer, possibly in that other non-Rafa, non-Djokovic half of the draw? Well, look, I think the better, the, for the, in terms of the very top players, the deeper they get into a tournament, the tougher they're going to be until the very end when all bets are off, kind of. So I think you got to really like Federer there because Federer, once again, is stealthily, quietly making no noise, just doing, taking care of business, getting through. Having said that, I don't think anybody would would, would choose to play Djokovic or Nadal at this point when they can just play Federer or, or, or David Ferrer. I mean, you know, it's kind of a pick your poison, of course, but still, I mean, I think Federer is, is potentially the the guy you can pull a big upset. We've, you know, we saw what Tsang did coming back from two sets down at Wimbledon against Federer. You know, here he's going to have the home crowd with him. He's had really, really easy matches, so he, he, he ought to be strong and fit. It's really a question of whether he finds that, you know, a little, bit, a little extra bit of steel and gumption that he's kind of lacked on big occasions in the past. It's true, including at the Australian Open. They've just met there earlier this year, and Federer took him out there, albeit in five sets. So um, that's getting a little ahead of things, but it's I think things are sort of barreling toward that conclusion on that half, that quarter. Go hey, ahead. you watch uh, Jamie Hampton there tomorrow um, 
with Petra Kvitova. I think they're on tomorrow. They ought to be. Um, yes, they are. I'm, yep. I'm looking. I'm looking for maybe Hampton to do something big there. Yeah, she's uh, done very well already up to this point, and Kvitova, I I don't think Kvitova is a lock for that by any means. Her recent play and just kind of her skittishness in general, really, you know, since winning Wimbledon there. So. Um, Lipchenko, you know, Lipchenko had a good match today too. She lost it ultimately six four in a third, but uh, props to her, she had a good tournament. You know, I mean, overall, I mean, maybe this is really what we should end on is you know we we have mentioned a lot of Americans here and um, Lepchenko nearly taking Kerber to three, um, you know, Query taking Simone, you know, third round for him. I don't think too many people would have said that's a surety coming in. Isner obviously still in the tournament. You know, Serena, you can keep going on. I mean, overall, this is, you have that sort of jingoism you always see during slams. It, it just, it's kind of natural when you cover it. But this really actually has been a pretty solid tournament for the Americans. Would you agree? Absolutely. So the American audience ought to be happy with that. I get a little bit tired about people complaining about jingoism and stuff. What's, you know, what's wrong? Uh, as long as you're not, you know, actively getting the hate on for other people, it's perfectly fine. I think it's great to see that. I, I, it's nice to see everybody feeling that way. We don't we love it when like the Chileans start banging the drums and waving the flags when the, when one of their guys is playing. You know, let, let everybody partake partake of that. Okay, well said. Um, we'll be in touch once again tomorrow, of course. Next podcast from Paris. P. Bodo, Ed McGrogan. Thanks for listening. Tennis.com. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.